welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss an article from the 2023 Nebraska Beef Report. This can be found at beef.unl.edu. The article we're going to discuss today is titled Artificial Insemination of Beef Heifers with Multi-Sire Sex Semen. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the ranch host who was part of the research project, John Maddox, who ranches with his family near Imperial. Thanks for joining me today, John. Glad to be here, Aaron. Uh, John, it's been a while since we've had you on the Beef Watch podcast. So before we talk about the topic, the research project you were involved with, uh, just give us a general overview of the ranch operation and and what you're focused on today. Yeah, Aaron, it's our uh, 130 seventh year in business. We've always been in the cow business and uh, we we run uh, several thousand cows here in, in Chase County and we do some farming and I have a yearling operation too. So uh have mul- multiple enterprises here on the ranch. So John, one of the things I think is a little bit unique about your beef cow herd is uh, several years ago, actually decades ago now, you put together a maternal composite and have really been focused on that for a number of years. Uh, share with us a little about the maternal makeup of the cow herd there, the breeds that are involved, and kind of what you focus on in terms of production traits. Yeah, Aaron, we uh, we had a complete cow dispersal back in uh, 2005. And uh, when after we dispersed the cow herd, which was primarily due to drought, we had an opportunity to really rethink our business model in our cow-calf enterprise. And as we looked around, uh, historically, we've been cattle feeders. So individual performance in a feed yard has always been really important to us. But with the uh, dispersion of our cow herd and because of new DEQ law uh, rules about our feed yard, we had to close down our little feed yard that we fed out our cattle in. And we decided that rather than try to rebuild that cow herd that was based upon feedlot performance and higher growth rates than maybe the norm, that we were going to develop a maternal type composite. As we just looked around the industry, we just are surprised about all the focus on terminal type production systems. And we were going to try to find more of a build more of a maternal type cow and try to market that type cow because there are very few of them around and we want to be competing in an area that there isn't a lot of competition in. So we have a five breed composite of mainly British breeds and British type breeds to really stress these maternal traits as opposed to terminal traits. So, John, I think that leads into then the study that you were involved with, uh, with Dempster Christensen and and Jordan Thomas, as well as Derek Funston, looking at ways to increase the number of heifers born, specifically thinking about your first calf heifers that are bred. Uh, just share with us a little bit about the thought process you went through to engage in this topic of using multi-sire semen that's been sexed for heifers and then using that AI in your replacement heifers. Aaron, uh, we realized if, uh, let me just back up that the we have a different way of kind of getting paid for our cow herd as opposed to most producers. For us, our real uh, revenue producer is that we sell 
running age cows every year out of our cow herd. For us, we try to sell all of our cows before they're six years old. Uh, it's what the market demands. And uh, if we have a maternal composite and maybe more modest production levels with that maternal composite, you're not going to have a big 650 pound steer calf that you're going to produce from that maternal mating. So we get paid more on producing these running age cows that are uh, in demand by the marketplace. So every year we send those cows up to Ogallala the second Wednesday of April and sell those, uh, those cows and a few, few younger cows too, uh, some, some two-year-olds in that sale. And we've been doing that for 14 or 15 years. And in doing that, Aaron, we've had a really good acceptance of our cows and our, uh, what we've been trying to do with this maternal composite. So it's not like we're getting paid for those steer calves who have more modest growth anyway. For us to have a high replacement rate, to save almost every heifer that is born on the ranch is important for um, being able to sell more and younger running age cows. For us to produce those heifers out of our first calf heifers just allows us to have a higher replacement rate with more heifers coming back into the herd, which makes more threes, fours, and fives that we can sell um, in April every year. So, John, I think you're pretty unique in that most folks go out at calving time and hope to find bull calves. You would be exactly the opposite. You'd go out and hope to find heifer calves. Is that correct? That's right. The payday is is a different model for us than it is with the traditional producer who has steer calves to sell. We have running age cows to sell. For us to be able to have a high percentage of the first calf heifers, having heifer calves really fits the strength of our breeding program. And in addition, you know, there is some advantage. We really don't have a lot of calving difficulties, Aaron, but it does help that uh, a high percentage of our first calf heifers will have heifer calves with lighter birth weights and less uh, dystocia, less calving difficulty than if we uh, had 50% bull calves. John, share just a little about historically what you've done in terms of breeding those heifers and then the transition here you made a couple of years ago to start using sexed semen and specifically, I think something that's unique, uh, multi-sire sexed semen to increase the number of heifer calves born. Yeah, Aaron, we have tried to do some sort of synchronization and sometimes synchronization with just a bull or synchronization and then AI those uh, heifers. Most of the time to our own home-raised bull, we have really are trying to select for a suite of traits, not just one trait, not one, two or three traits, but a whole suite of traits that we are think are important for maternal animals. For Cavanese, of course, is one really important one. Utter quality is other really important. Fleshing ability, just maternal ability of, of the cow. So we have gone into our cow herd and really found the top cows in our herd and have an elite herd of our very, very best cows in our estimation of our traits that we are selecting for. And they're a moderate 1150 to 1200 pound cow 
that has a perfect udder, again, driven by udder scores. You know, she's easy fleshing. She's got a good disposition. She mothers up and takes care of her calf. But she's probably not going to have that 650-pound calf. So in going into those mature cows and having that that group of elites, we have already pre-selected the really top cows. And it's ironic, but uh, there are so many things that uh, go into that that are really hard to measure. Utter scores are easy to measure, but a lot of other things are more subjective. And we came to the realization that if we want to propagate those best cows, we got to save bulls out of those best, out of that best herd, out of those cows. So we save bulls out of that herd and then use those bulls back on the herd. Usually we turn the bulls quite quickly, so, uh, but are always raising a crop of uh, bull calves. I think we have about 160 or 70 calves that are we just weaned and are on feed to produce yearling bulls in the coming year. And we have done that both with natural service and with AI. But Aaron, we just feel like uh, to have confidence in those bulls, we kind of need to know where the cow, what the cows were like. And every one of the bulls that we save are out of the very best cows in our program on the ranch. We might do some culling of those bulls on performance that just isn't acceptable. But generally, the selection is made because of the cow that bull came out of and use those best bulls out of the best cows back the next year, again, on that sorted elite herd to generate bulls that we will use. The idea that we had for using sex semen is Again, just increasing our replacement rate, getting more heifers to come into the herd every year. And then that allows us to uh, have more cows to sell. So talk about just the selection of the bulls you used in this particular research project. Uh, How did you pick those? And then what was the process you went through to go ahead and get the semen collected and then have it ready to be used in your program? In that elite herd, we probably have 700 or seven to 800 cows in that elite group. And in our goal maybe is to have a, a few hundred bull prospects. So we would castrate anything if that cow has any mark against her, if she's ever had any disposition issues, or if she's ever, she's ever had any assistance in calving, or if she's a poor mother, we go ahead and band or castrate that calf at birth. And then, but try to shoot for getting about a couple hundred bulls out of that 800 cows. Then we'll uh, get them weaned, put them on feed, go through a process of maybe culling out just the poorest performers, maybe do a little structural culling, and then get a nice set of 150 or so bull calves that we develop uh, to yearlings. We've done it both ways. We've kept a few extra and not semen tests, but more recently we've been doing a little more semen testing. And then we'll have fallout on those yearling bulls, the ones that that really won't pass a a breeding soundness exam before our, our breeding season. So it's not going on a traditional feed test or anything like that because So often, if you have a high-performing bull in the growing period, he could also be bringing along a lot of mature weight with that. 
So we're, again, trying for modest growth, making sure that that bull has that benefit of that suite of traits from the cow that we have selected on. So for a long time, Aaron, we've been uh, collecting our own bulls, just doing that locally, synchronizing the heifers, AI in them. That's mainly done to get our calving over and done with and have a little more age on our calves rather than really trying to make huge genetic change. Honestly, you don't know which of those bulls is really going to be the great producer of daughters. All we know is all of those bulls came out of a great cow themselves. We've used those lighter birth weight bulls, and generally we try to use adjusted birth weights under 80 pounds. And then we've really had very little calving difficulty. We generally would calve out 800 or or so first calf heifers, and our assistance rate would has been in the single digits, maybe in the five, six percent range, calving out on grass in a April, May time frame. So we really don't have any facility or any ability to really handle a lot of dystocia. But we have a few difficulties, but most of them would be a malpresentation of the calf of a leg back or a breech or that sort of thing, rather than having problems with too big a calf. These heifers are not big, Aaron. We try to get a little weight on them before we calve them out, and they weigh nine and a quarter, but in a probably a condition score of five and a half. So um, not big, big framed heifers, but uh, but still have progeny offspring that would be modest performance. As you pick the bulls that you select for the AI project, you mentioned, of course, birth weight being one of the main criteria, but You've got basically 800 cows, you you know get half of those as bulls, and then you whittle it down to a couple hundred, and then you're selecting 12 or so from that couple hundred to get down to your AI that you're going to use. How do you come up with those 12 bulls? What went into that decision besides just birth weight? Uh, that can be uh, structure. You know, that's, that's a little bit of eyeball, and that's kind of a uh, that can always be dangerous, I guess, Aaron, but, uh, uh, you know, we try to avoid the big, lankier ones and have a little more early maturing type and uh, a little thicker made, sure look at scrotal circumference and uh, try to get those bulls down to uh, where we think they are going to be producing the type of uh, offspring that really fit, again, this maternal focus. I had a joke with a friend of mine. It's uh, with all the sophistication of of the genetic selection and breeding programs today, ours is almost biblical. It's just going out and looking for like begets like, like it says in the Bible. So it's it's a little bit a throwback to other eras where it was uh, uh, driven by some eye appeal, which, you know, it's, it's so again, uh, a far cry from today's sophisticated breeding systems. So let's just talk about the project now a little bit. You picked 12 bulls and then you took them to Montana and had them collected and had them sorted and sexed there. Talk a little about that process and, and what you learned through that. We had, um, and, and I think in a couple of cases, we've uh, over the last three years, we've even taken a few more than 12, maybe up to 20 or 25. We are getting that done at Origin. It's a bull stud up in uh, in Montana. 
near Billings. When we started this project to get the sex semen, we had noticed in some of the research that there was some benefit to having several bulls in the collection. And the reason they think that is in the process of doing this sexing of the semen, sorting the X and Y sperm, you can do some damage to the actual sperm and running it through the machine. But that damage is not picked up on a microscope. And some of that is hard to predict about how different bulls will go through that process. And so we had found that uh, there was some research to show that perhaps there was some benefit of putting two or three or even four bulls in each collection and each straw so that if you happen to have one of those bulls that went through the selection process, the, the sex selection process, and had damage to the sperm, you've got another bull that has a chance of having gone through it quite well. So we try to at least have three bulls in every collection, in every straw that we use, again, to raise our conception rate, because we can always have another bull filling in if we have one bull that was damaged when it went through that sorting process. So we have done that. One other potential problem in collecting these bulls is that, and by the way, it really works best on two-year-old bulls, Aaron. Uh, We have only collected two-year-old bulls. So in that process, these are our bulls that went through one year of our system, and then we use them after that first year to get them collected. So that process of collection works much, much better on bulls that are more mature and uh, at least have one breeding season under their belt. So it's not from those yearling bulls we're selecting bulls to go to uh, to at least the, the sex semen program. We've used a lot of yearling bulls just in our, if we're collecting conventional semen, but it really takes that two-year-old in the in the sex semen world. One problem you have with those bulls is that they really like to collect that semen without using an electroejaculator to do it with a steer there to uh, to get the, the bull to jump. And they're sure a percentage of those, either they don't have a disposition or don't have any uh, desire to uh, mount a Trojan steer out there to use in the collection process. So we have to send a few more than what we really want to collect in order to find those bulls that will actually mount the steer for the collection process in the stud. So you take up a number of bulls, you find those that are going to work, and then you go ahead and get them collected. Is it random sort in terms of which bulls go on which straws, or how's that decided? It is, Aaron. And uh, again, for our system, knowing exactly who the sire of the calf is, is not an important thing because we are selecting these bulls from what we think is our our best cows. So we know that every bull that we potentially are keeping came out of a pretty darn good cow. So being able to follow sire lines is not particularly helpful even if we did know who that sire was in that straw that we would use, we never kept track of it because we didn't feel like there was a, a lot of information there that really was going to be of value to us. So 
it was an easy thing for us to go into the process of pooling that semen together. It's hard to know, but we we feel like it has made a significant improvement in our overall conception, just ballparking maybe 10% higher conception rate by using that pooled semen as opposed to using individual semen from bulls that have been collected and sorted for sex. So let's talk a little bit about the AI process. What did you use in terms of synchrony? How was that set up? And then how did the semen get used in the heifers? Yeah, in this process, Jordan Thomas down at University of Missouri came out and gave us a a full presentation about their research about how to approach this. And the key concept here is that it really takes demonstrated heats in order to get the the, uh, high conception. As I understand it, once you go through the whole process of sorting that semen, there is some damage done to that semen and it doesn't last as long inside the uterus when you AI. Having the more precise timing of the estrus cycle with the the artificial insemination is more important than it might be if you just had a mass um, synchronization and mass breeding. So we are trying to pinpoint exactly that right time to be breeding these heifers. So to do that, it takes using the estrus patches. So we go ahead and synchronize the heifers, use the estrus patches, and then are pulling heifers out of the herd as they show estrus, and then breeding them accordingly at, the, at, our, at our ideal time. That has been a real critical move in order to uh, optimize our conception because we don't have some that are just going out of heat, some that are, are just coming into heat, that are getting that semen. Hopefully all of them have ovum and uh, ready to conceive. And so uh, we, we try to, to really make it more precise using that estrus pack. To synchronize them, we, we tend to use uh, you try to keep about a thousand heifers at least to to breed, uh, and we use uh, MGA and then Lutalase in the process to uh, synchronize them. So let's talk a little about the results. You've actually got two years of data. The 2023 beef report just highlights the results from your 2021 breeding, but talk about what you've observed. What's your results? Uh, what's your thoughts on what you've seen? We have been pleased about our conception rates uh, and our overall breeding rates. That's one of the added benefits too, is that you've got some of those that don't conceive will sure conceive on the next cycle. So, you know, we've kind of are somewhere over a a relatively short period, uh, probably a 55 day breeding season. You know, we're in that 88 up to 94% conception. Uh, with about 50 to 55% of the heifers conceiving with the um, sex semen through AI. And we think that might be 10% lower than it might be if we were using conventional semen, but we find that acceptable. Of those pregnancies that came from the artificial insemination and the sex semen, uh, upwards of 90% of those calves will be heifers. So 
we uh, we might sacrifice a little bit on our overall breed up on AI using sex semen. But again, for our system and our program, keeping heifers is really important. So we're making up by almost all of calves that are born by AI are heifers. So basically, when you look at your AI and then you look at your natural service, you're probably somewhat around 70% of your calf crop from first calf heifers is actually heifer calves. Yeah, I've always hoped it'd be right around three quarters, but it's usually a slightly under three quarters of those calves are heifers. So in our example, if we kept a thousand heifers and we end up with 800 bread that we keep, we sell some of the later bread ones, but if we end up with around 800 of them, you know, about 70% are going to be heifers. So five or 600, between five and 600 of them. John, what else have you learned through this process that's uh, maybe shaping some of your thinking as you move forward, how you might use some technology like this in your operation? You know, one thing that through my managers, Robert and Jennifer Brochus and uh, our crew that we have, you know, it's a, a fairly complex process. You know, we basically have a seed stock enterprise that we have, and there's a a lot of different steps in order to get those bulls to puberty and, and then through puberty and used one year and then ready for uh, collection as a two-year-old. So we've tried to systemize our whole process and have important dates that we need to do different things. So more a whole process of synchronization of, of having it uh, well planned out and way ahead of time really makes the whole process work. So I think it's it's a system that really lends itself to lots of planning before we implement anything. And, and that has been the big lesson I think I have out of it, that, that if we have a complex system, break it down by parts, get it all thought out with your crew about what needs to be done when, get it on the calendar, get accountability. We just never want to know that we're going to start feeding MGA on the 10th of June and somebody forgot to order the MGA or uh, or we get ready to breed and there there isn't any lutelace or uh, or that sort of thing. So one thing I, that just occurred to me, Aaron, that I didn't mention is that, again, because of this timing of breeding is so important, if we use these estrus patches, we never breed anything that doesn't have that estrus patch activated. So in those animals, we use conventional semen, might use a bull in the marketplace that fits our composite just to kind of keep a new bloodlines or new uh, new genetics coming in. Or it could be just bulls that, that we have collected conventionally of our breeding. So we only detected uh, maybe 85% or so of, of the heifers on average, maybe 15% or so were never detected. So those heifers get conventional semen. If you use the sex semen on those that didn't have a patch that was detected as, as being broken and use the sex semen, again, because of that importance of timing, you cut your conception rate on those that 15% that didn't you didn't detect by about half. You are better to use conventional semen because you get the same number of heifers out of it. You get the benefit of those steer calves that come out of those heifers that get conceived early on those heifers that weren't detected. John, anything else on this project that you'd like to talk about as we point towards wrapping up? 
I think a little bit of a, a leap for us to do it back three years ago. We uh, were not sure about the technology. Was the technology really there? Was it something that we could feel comfortable about using it? Uh, after three years, we are, are pleased with the results and have found it to be a good program, at least for our system and our business model. It's been a, a terrific, a terrific way to build those heifers internally. Didn't mention this, but for us, we we try to have a few more cows to sell when we think the prices are going to be better and and maybe maybe less if we think we're going into a declining market. And we're optimistic about the the cattle business and cattle prices and cow prices uh, going forward. So anything we can do to generate more of these heifers internally and then have more livestock to sell in the uh, in the next two to four years, we think it's going to be in our benefits. So it can be a marketing plan as well as a plan on, uh, on getting advancement in your uh, genetic makeup. Well, John, thanks for your time. I appreciate your giving your perspective on this project and sharing what you learned. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Well, for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, you can find it at the beef.unl.edu website. The title of the article we discussed today, Artificial Insemination of Beef Heifers with Multi-Sire Sex Semen. This can be found in the 2023 Beef Report.